Thank you for joining us on another episode of DLT in the Real World, the hype-free podcast designed to put facts and figures against real-life cases of DLT deployments. In 2018, Broadridge launched a new DLT-based platform to support the trading and management of bilateral repos. Now, the repo space is a huge and highly complex market. It's worth over $2.5 trillion in the US every year. But the bilateral multi-counterparty nature and the operating model means that trade fails and a huge amount of reconciliation burden is not unusual for anyone participating in the industry. And that's one of the reasons why DLT has often been linked to the repo space as an area really ready for disruption and transformation. That's a real pleasure to have Horatio Barakat here from Broadridge to be able to talk us through the facts and figures of the Broadridge DLT repos platform. So Horatio, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Barnaby. A pleasure. So look, let's just jump straight in then. Let's talk through your DLT repos platform. So in the last, I suppose, going back three years, what was the problem that you were trying to solve for, or the problems that you're trying to solve for when you actually designed and, and launched the platform? Sure. I would start with, I say, Broadridge, I say, I would say as an expert, as, as part of the market infrastructure on the fixed income world, we always felt the conviction that DLT can bring significant efficiencies to the repo market and reduce the cost of transacting repos overall. Given the attributes of the technology, the repo market could certainly benefit from, from the ability of DLT to solve for, as you said, uh, multi-party workflow, utilize the digitization capabilities of DLT to digitize the collateral to be using those repo transactions and overall digitize the repo contracts as smart contracts in the platform. So basically what I'm trying to say is pretty much digitize the entire end-to-end workflow for the repo market, which is lacking today. That is basically what we're trying to solve for. A consequence of the digitization of all the repo workflow from front to back has significant implications on reduction in cost, reduction in financing cost, and ability to better manage collateral. If you think about the benefits, if you break that down one layer deeper, if you can break down the benefits into basically three key categories. Number one is operational benefits. By developing a platform that has a single source of truth of collateral and a single source of truth of repo smart contract that is distributed amongst the counterparties of the transaction, basically mutualizing that workflow, you are creating significant efficiencies by eliminating reconciliations, uh, reducing fails, etc. from an operational perspective. Number two, Related to the, as I mentioned, the digitization of collateral, you can actually increase collateral mobility. By digitizing, by digitizing the collateral, you basically can make much more efficient and more, much more prevalent intraday funding, access to intraday funding. You can improve collateral management and availability that is located at disparate locations, different custodians, different CSDs. So you can actually, by that, by creating this collateral mobility, that's when the benefits around collateral management, reduction in funding cost, reduction in leverage, you can, counterparties can definitely achieve. And then is number three and final is uh, the simplification of the front to back processes. Basically, the digitization of the repo contracts, ASMAR contracts, basically allows for workflows 
and activities that happen at the start of the trade, during the midlife events of the trade, to be much more efficient. Example of those is allocation of collateral, automation of the valuation of collateral, being able to much more efficiently substitute collateral and execute midlife events that actually currently are, you know, in some way manual, in some ways today require, you know, the communication that is not very efficient between counterparties. If you have that digitized in a smart contract that counterparties and their agents can access and act on seamlessly, provides significant efficiencies front to back. Yeah. So ultimately, if I understand you right, repos have always had this kind of inherent conflict that, you know, obviously they're in many cases, you're trading them intraday. And as you said, using them for short term, obviously, cash management needs. But ultimately, at the same time, they're all supported by a fairly clunky asset class in terms of the collateral. And so you've got this high velocity, but with a heavy weight dragged along in terms of the, you know, very immobile collateral. And by putting a whole digital platform behind it, ultimately, you're, you're helping the collateral to mobilize to the same level as, as the repo contracts themselves in a way. Correct. It is basically the process needs to match the counterparty's business model and financing needs. Right yeah. now, that is not happening. Intraday is a, is a prime example of it. Yeah. So let's walk through the actual platform then in terms of what it looks like in, uh, in, term, in my, my simple terms. Can we just, so let's talk through, you know, particularly from the collateral side, what the building blocks are, if you like. The building blocks are basically two foundational aspects of it. Number one is the ability of the platform that Broadridge has created to mutualize the workflow between the counterparties. Basically, from front to back, all the events related to a repo transaction are agreed upon, executed, acting on in this DLT platform via the execution and acceptance of smart contracts. So all activities are executed on a single source of truth that the counterparties have agreed to. So no act can be you know, basically pressured onto the counterparty. They all have to accept what the other counterparty is doing onto the repo transaction. Sometimes it is automatically accepted. Sometimes they have to go through some vetting process. But the idea that you are mutualizing the workflow between the participants and their agents, if any, makes this process much more efficient via the digitization of all the activities around the repo contract. And number two is basically, as you said, the digitization of the collateral. Basically, the other aspect is you are digitizing collateral that is located at various portfolio location. And by the way of digitization, you are onboarding them onto the DLT platform and the smart contracts that are entered and agreed upon on the platform basically act on the digital representation of that collateral. The smart contracts determine the ownership of that digital representation of the collateral and allow for the counterparties to take possession and control of that collateral when and as needed. So those are the two key foundational aspects of the DLT platform that we built. And presumably the smart contracts can also help to manage all of the kind of the various collateral management questions about eligibility, availability, pricing, marketing to market, all those kind of various elements that would otherwise be quite manual or, or be run by basically by separate systems and, and outside of the model, if you like. Correct. So the smart contract, it is not just the agreement of the terms of the trade. It has other aspects of it. So it has, as you said, the eligibility schedule. Each repo or a, or a certain number of repos between the counterparties could be subject to various eligibility schedules. There's as many eligibility schedules as you want between the counterparties. 
then the allocation of the collateral is also done via via the smart contract, which is something that today, to use your words, is very clunky. And all the events and processes around a repo transaction are digitized within the smart contract. And the smart contract, basically, everything that is done via via the smart contract is acted on digitized representation of collateral that are onboarded onto the ledger. So it's really just that it's a classic case of the benefits of tokenization, really. Plus, you know, as you said, the smart contracts being able to really empower that tokenization from a management perspective. Correct. I hope you're enjoying this podcast and it's really helping you to grasp the exact benefits and KPIs that DLT can help you to realize in your world. If you have a live DLT case that you'd like to share, please contact us at info at thevalueexchange.co so that we can all hear about the amazing transformation that you've achieved. And so the beauty of this, and unlike many of the platforms that uh, across across the DLT space, I mean, you've been running this now for three years, I guess. So we've talked about the benefits and, and the, the kind of the stack, if you like. What kind of benefits are you starting to see come through at a, at a firm level or kind of based on people actually using the system on a daily basis? Yes, we are onboarding our first three clients now. So we're in the process over the next handful of weeks, we are onboarding our first participants but we already run all of their activity on the platform just to make sure that, that the benefits that, that the platform promised actually will be realized in the future. So the clients, what they are seeing is basically two major types of savings, if you want. Number one, as I said, is the cost reduction. Those are basically hard dollar saves via process improvement, elimination of non-critical activities, elimination of fails, more efficient settlement, you know, which is significant in terms of the dollar amount. And number two is reduction in funding cost. So basically by accelerating the mobility of collateral, you basically reducing your, your funding cost at your many funding sources. And you basically are more efficient user of the opportunity cost of the collateral that you have available. Those are benefits that can be quantified and we have quantified those for the early adopters. And just to put some numbers around it, if you combine, you know, as I said, number one, the cost reduction, and number two, the reduction in funding cost, you're talking about a range of savings of around between five and seven million dollars a year for the large on average, right? For the, if you look at a, at a smaller institution would be obviously below the two, three million dollar benchmark. If you're talking about a very large institution, you're basically talking north of the seven, but. Yeah. I think the clients that we have, that, that we're working with and the ones that are being onboarded and you know, looking at an average size of clients, that's the ballpark of savings that we see. Yeah. And it's interesting because ultimately those two benefits, presumably they're kind of, they cover all, all types of market conditions, if you like. But I mean, if you think of last year, presumably the operational, you know, the bums on seat savings would have been, would have been fairly meaningful, but, you know, equally presumably during when we ever have interest rates again and the, the opportunity cost of funding grows again, that, uh, that suddenly that, you know, the liquidity benefits kick in. So I suppose it's, it's basically, it's a seven million that's going to last regardless of market conditions, if you like. Correct. Yes. And, and, and the, no, the, the operational improvements, those are here to stay. The funding cost, depending on interest rates, yes, could be a little bit higher, a little bit lower. Those are also secular. Mm. Those are here to stay. On the operational side, I suppose, there's also the whole switch from being able to run processes instead of them all being sequential to being able to move to a kind of more simultaneous processing angle, is there? Correct. So anything that you that you can digitize in terms of the process, 
could actually present, for the most part, in a positive unforeseen consequences, right? So if you are, it makes clients more, you know, nimbler, right? Mm-hmm. They can actually uh, execute transactions quicker. Uh, they can make decisions faster. All those, you know, side benefits, which are difficult to quantify, but those are those are side side benefits that we expect this platform and any other digitization platform will bring to the market. Yeah. And presumably, though, I mean, that, that increased agility from a treasury perspective, I guess, I mean, that must go some way to addressing the trillions of dollar collateral shortfall that we have in the world in terms of if we can use the existing collateral that we have in a more effective way, it closes the gap and closes the need for us to be sucking up and drawing in even more collateral than we ever had before. Yeah, and actually you know, being nimbler, being able to make quicker decisions mm-hmm. actually allows funding needs with collateral availability matching even yeah. more efficient. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's obviously all, all the good news. I'm sure it hasn't been easy. What about some of the big challenges? Because obviously, you know, one of the, as we said at the beginning, one of the challenges of the repo space is that it's so heavily decentralized and so heavily, obviously, bilateral. What are the challenges that you faced getting this far? I would say there's two key challenges that we faced. And number one, you don't have all your counterparties in the platform, then the, the benefits are going to be are going to yeah. be limited. Yeah. So the development of the community, if you want, that joins the platform and actually start start ripping the benefits out of it, that is one of the challenges that any platform faces. So the way that we broke that, if you want to call it a negative cycle, is by creating early incentives or use cases, if you want, for participants to actually be able to and be willing to join the platform because they can actually gain benefits out of it, regardless of whether the counterparties are on the platform or not. An example of that incentive, if you want, or or use case is what we call intra-company repos, right? There's a, particularly for large institutions, a large percentage of their repo transaction is basically related between their own entities because they need to move collateral. You know, one entity has liquidity, the other one doesn't. Mm. So if you can make just that piece of their financing flows more efficient, generate savings and benefits for them, there's an incentive for them to join the platform regardless of the counterparties being on it. And that's the way that, that we were successful in bringing the early adopters onto the platform. How do you see the ecosystem story from an interoperability perspective in this space? That brings me to you know, challenge number two. Challenge mm. number two is Sorry. integration of our platform, of the DLT repo platform, uh, into current market infrastructure. There's always thinking about interoperability in a fast evolving, not yet mature, I would say, DLT environment. It is certainly, it would have been challenging if you don't if we hadn't done the things that we did and what we did was we wanted to ensure that this platform was very easy and very lightweight to be able to integrate it not only within our clients technology stack but also be able to connect very seamlessly to current market infrastructure you know mm-hmm. CSDs custodian front office systems trading venues and that is that that is something that we did and that's how Whenever we think about the implementation effort and the connectivity with other systems or other market infrastructure, we made sure that the cost of adopting this DLT repo platform was very low and the risk of implementation was very low. 
And mm -hmm. we were able to do it because actually, but as Broadreach, we know, you know, we know very well the fixed income market. We are part of that market infrastructure and we know how to make it lightweight. And I think if you, for any, any DLT platform, and regardless of if it's fixed income equities or, or even trade finance, if it's very you know, heavy handed and requires a lot of disruption within the current technology stack or market infrastructure, it's going to be very difficult to adopt because it presents a lot of risk. So you need to de-risk as much as possible the implementation of these platforms. And do you see a point, though, from an interoperability perspective? I mean, if somebody is mobilized or digitized their collateral on another platform, do you see a point in the future where, you know, ultimately one token will be interchangeable with your tokenized collateral in a kind of free flow way across different markets, kind of infrastructures, if you like? Yes, I think so. And, and, and that is why, because that, that interoperability and, and the ability to plug in the platform, the solution that you bring into the market with other areas of the financial markets, it is critical for your own success. Mm. So mm. everybody that I talk to in the industry has that as a, one of their key priorities, right? Yeah. Because if you don't, if you're not thinking that way, then if you try to isolate yourself into, into, into your own ecosystem, there's the future for somebody doing that is fairly limited. Uh, so, yeah. every, so, so I think with everybody thinking about it in the same way, at least to hope now working towards interoperability when that happens or when events lead us there, I think it will happen. It just, mm. it's going to take time, but everybody has that in their, you know, top of mind. Yeah. It sounds very much like a step two, the way you describe it, that ultimately step one is just bedded in and start getting, getting usage and that kind of thing. And step two then is basically is joining the dots, if I understand right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Are there any other kind of major roadblocks that you faced along the way? I mean, the, the, what you mentioned are pretty substantial, I mean, and, and no doubt taking a lot of work. What about things like just the legal framework, I suppose, and the, and the whole kind of framework of, of trying to, you're creating a digitized environment off the back of traditional cash still, um, and obviously a legal set of framework around a bunch of custody accounts that are still old world. Has there been much reworking needed to take old world into new world? No, not necessarily for us. So we made, and again, going back to the you know, philosophically trying to uh, reduce the risk of adoption and increase the velocity of people adopting the platform, we made sure that our workflows and the way we do things fit within current regulation, current legal frameworks. We were able to accomplish that. Obviously, we would evolve as the regulation and the legal framework evolves. But the workflows and the way that the platform works fits within, within current frameworks without, without disrupting it or creating a lot of change on it. So, so I think that was similar to, to the uh, physical or technical implementation of it. The legal implementation of it was also a, a key point for us, making sure that we made it that the adoption of this platform presented very low risk. Perfect. Well, look, that's a great point to, to round up, I think. It sounds, I think, it, it, given a very, very clear view that ultimately this is, you know, there is a, a huge ecosystem play here, but ultimately uh, what for me really stands out is that you've taken the world as it is, basically laid on top of that what, what change, what transformation you can, and that ultimately that that's, as you said, that's going to kind of generate a momentum of its own where the scale of the benefits is just going to multiply. So, you know, that in terms of practical applications of DLT, I think there's some really key key points to be able to take away from that. So thank you. No, thank you very much, Barnaby.
Great. Well, look, yeah, really appreciate you making the time. And um, I'm sure if anyone has any questions, then they'll be reaching out to us. And uh, we look forward to speaking more about it. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to our DLT in the Real World podcast. I hope this episode has brought you one step closer to having the facts and figures of DLT clear in your mind so that you can go and write your own business case for change soon. We'll be back with next week with another real life episode of DLT. And just reach out to us at info at thevalueexchange.co if you have any questions at all. We'd love to help.